Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with Elliot Harris, that's me, and David Spada, that's you. Let's get right to our interview with Bobby Bowden. I see you grew up in Alabama, and then you went to Alabama your freshman year. Was that the only uh, college you considered going to back when you were in high school? Yeah, because I was raised about 50 miles away from Tuscaloosa, and uh, back in those days, Auburn and Alabama did not play each other. So Alabama was kind of the team. And so when I finished high school, I went to Alabama. But at the same time, I got married, and they back in those days, if you got married, you couldn't have a scholarship at, in the SEC. So I ended up transferring back home to Howard College, which is now called Samford University. So you made the right decision picking your wife over uh, Alabama, it looks like, because you've been married for, what, 60 years? 65, yeah, I've been 65 years, 19, 1949. And it's been probably like yesterday, like your honeymoon never ended. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. So when you went to Sanford, what was it like there? Well, it was a school I was very familiar with because I was raised about a half a block from their, from their practice field. And I had to walk across their campus every day on the way to school. So I was very familiar with the school. And so I came back, and my wife and I both went there and uh, graduated from there. And then you ended up coaching there after you were uh, done playing, right? For You yeah, coached it, track. Yeah. yeah, in 19, let's see, 1959, I became the head coach there. I coached there four years. About 25 years after that, Terry, Terry Bowden became the head coach. And he coached there, I think, about six years. So you wanted to keep it in the family. Well, we had it all in the family. Yeah, all, it was all. My mother went there, my daddy went there, and my uncles and aunts. In Birmingham, you know, there were two colleges in Birmingham. There was Birmingham Southern and there was Howard. And so you got a lot of Birmingham students. Was it a tough decision to leave uh, Howard to go to uh, South, South Georgia College? Uh, no, because I was an assistant at Howard, and I was a head head coach at South Georgia College, so it was it was a move up. Was their program pretty well established back then, South Georgia, or was it fairly new? It no, they had been playing. They had probably been playing football for at least ten years. Uh, it was a junior college, and uh, I stayed there four years. Uh, Georgia used to have a good junior college football program. Uh, probably had about eight schools that played football. And then in 1959, they all decided to drop football because they were all losing money on it. And so they, they dropped it. So was it an easy decision then to go back to Howard? No, no, I was just lucky I had a job. You know, since Florida State dropped. I could have stayed there as baseball coach and athletic director, but naturally I wanted to coach football. And so at the same time, Howard College came open and they offered me the job. So how did you end up going to Florida State? Well, I uh, had some friends that were playing there, younger than I was, and had gone down there. And I had heard about Florida State, but that's about all. And uh, I felt like that I was going to have to get into a major college if I was ever going to make it to to the top. And so they offered me an assistant job down there uh, in 1953. So I go out there and coach three years as an assistant coach. What was Coach Peterson like? Peterson was uh, nearly ahead of the game. He he put in the pro offense. 
back in those days, uh, people didn't run the pro offense, but he 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 copied the pro teams, and we threw the ball all over the field, and he was one of the first coaches to get into that. He had some pretty good assistants. He had you, and he had what Bill Parcells and Joe Gibbs. Yeah, now they came after I did, but while I was there, Don James, who was a head coach at Washington, Vince Gibson, who was a head coach at Kansas State, uh, John Coda, who became the head coach at uh, uh, Minnesota, uh, all all of these these well, they were they must they must then of course after we left, Parcells comes there, and so does uh, Joe Gibbs. So they had a lot of head coaches come out of there. Was it tough for you to leave Florida State to go to West Virginia? No, because I was an assistant at, at Florida State, and uh, I was offered a coordinator job at West Virginia. And uh, I, at, at, at that time, my wife and I just felt like we were better off moving to another part of the country where we could learn some more football. So by going to West Virginia, it gave me an opportunity to recruit in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Virginia and New York and New Jersey and up that area, that probably helped me. And Jim Carlin was the coach, and he was fairly new there because he, he had just come from Georgia Tech. Yeah, Carlin was the head coach. He's the one that hired me. He stayed there four years, and he left, went to Texas Tech, and then he gave me the job. Did you feel you were ready for the job when he gave it to you? Uh, yeah, I thought I was, but I wasn't quite as ready as I thought I was. I learned a lot there at West Virginia that helped me down the road. When you got the West Virginia job, who were your main players? Oh, who were the main players? Well, Jim Braxton, who was a first-round draft choice. Uh, he was a fullback that played, used to block for O.J. Simpson with a with a, uh The Bills? Yeah, with the Bills. Yeah, he played with the Bills. He, he died early, too. And then, uh, then we had uh, Jeff Merrill, who played with Atlanta Falcons, and and uh, Danny Bugs, who played with the Giants, I think. But we had we had some. Pro- we didn't have as many as we had at Florida State. During your first year as coach there, the Marshall team died in that plane crash, and you asked the NCAA permission for your team to wear the Marshall jerseys. Who came up with that idea? Uh no, we we didn't ask that. That that was that was misunderstood there. We 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 put a we put a green cross on our helmets for them, and uh, I think we offered to play a game for them or something. But anyway, we let them come up and and study our film and everything uh, because he ha- he didn't have a ball club uh, when he went in there after the at the plane crash. Everybody got killed, so all he had was freshmen, and uh, he came up to our school. And, and talked a little offense, and we we told him what we were doing and showed him a lot of film. I know their coach, at Jack Lengel, gave you a lot of credit for helping uh, his team recover. Well, see, he had a guy on his staff named Red Dawson. Red Dawson I had coached at Florida State. I coached at tight ends. He was a tight end. He played. He graduated, played a couple of years of pro ball. Then he he became an assistant coach at Marshall. The reason he didn't get killed is when the plane flew back to to Huntington, Huntington, he decided to drive back and recruit. So he was saying, but it was it was through that connection that Coach Lengel called me about coming up for a visit. Was it true that you were offered the Marshall coaching job that Rick Talley, who died in the crash, got? 
Yeah, about two years before that plane crash, I sure was. Uh, the, the, Eddie Barrett was the athletic director, and he and I were good friends because he used to be, be a director at Florida, at, at West Virginia. And so, yeah, he offered me the job first, and I turned it down because I thought maybe I could get a bigger job because at that time, Marshall was not a very big school. How did you end up getting offered the Florida State head coaching job? Well, they called me when they when they lost uh, when they decided to let the other coach go. They call they called me at West Virginia. We we just played in a bowl and won a bowl game. We're kind of a popular about that time, so they called me and offered me the job. And Florida State had not had a lot of success prior to you getting there. No, they had they went zero and eleven, one and ten, three and eight. Guy gets fired. When you took over that job, did you have a philosophy in mind that you want to institute at Florida State? I really went back down there with the idea of, of, of taking a job down there and getting back to Alabama. I really wanted to get back to Alabama, and uh, that was kind of my plan. When I went to Florida State, I, I didn't go with the idea of staying there, but uh, things worked out. We started beating some of those teams, and we'd, we decided we'd stay right there. Because at that time, Florida was not recruited heavily by the Florida schools, those athletes. They were going out of state, but it seems like when you took over Florida State and then Howard Schnellenberger in Miami, you guys started pounding that state, getting all the great Florida athletes to stay there. Well, once, once, they, uh, uh, once they stopped the, the segregation thing, uh, that really opened up the football in the state of Florida because we had so, minority, so many minority families in Florida. You know, That's when everybody got, everybody got pretty good. Did you get a lot of push from the alumni and the uh, athletic department to try to stay away from the minority players or minimize the amount that were on the team? No, I never heard. I never, I, I never hear anybody mention anything about that. But my early days at West Virginia and and early days at Florida State, you know, it was a, it was a, a sensitive thing, and uh, people would ask you how many minorities do you have? You know, I'd always give them the same answer. I said, I don't know. I don't count. You finally got offered the head coaching job at Alabama. What made you turn it down? I was too old. I was I was 60 years old when they offered me that job, and I felt like it was too late to move. Were you ever tempted to go to the NFL? No, no. I had opportunities, but I, I, I preferred to coach college athletes. So was Alabama the only college you would have considered leaving Florida State for during the time you were down there? That's probably true. I was I was from there, you know. I was from Birmingham and uh, always felt like maybe you know maybe I'm supposed to go home, but it it it, it, it was it was best that I stayed at Florida State. When did you realize at Florida State that you had talent that could win a national championship? Well, I really I, I think when I first realized we could was when Miami won it. Miami in 1983, we played Miami. And we were ahead the whole dead gum game, and with a minute, with a, well, with, a, with the last four seconds, they kicked the field goal and beat us 16 to 14, and then they won the national championship. So at that time, we began to think we could do it too. Because it was unlikely that Miami was going to win that, because I think they were ranked for what Howard Schnellenberger said, like number four going into that game. That could have been because the best team in the nation was the Nebraska. Really, that Nebraska team one of the best college teams in in the history of college football, but he won. 
You had some pretty good athletes. Who was your first, you think, star athlete that you got at Florida State? Well, when I was an assistant coach, I had Fred Belitnikoff. He was our first all-time All-American, you know, first team, and consensus All-American. Then I was there. We had a bunch of them. Who do you think the best player your coach was? The best player I ever coached? Yes. I wouldn't say. <clears throat> it's like asking which child you like the most. <laughs> Is there one player that drove you crazy? That did what? Is there one player that drove you crazy during your coaching tenure? Drove me crazy. Oh, there'd be some. But those would be the guys that didn't make it. Guys that didn't abide by the rules. You had Deion Sanders. Did you realize Deion was going to become the great player he was in the NFL? No, but we knew he was mighty good. You know, we knew he was quite a defensive back. He, he could have he'd have been an All-American receiver if he'd played receiver. Because he had hit. Now, if you ask me who's the best foot, best athlete we ever had, I can always tell you that. But it's always Deion. He could fly and uh, had great quickness and uh, just became a great player. Wasn't there a temptation to put him like at running back or receiver to u- utilize that speed more? Well, it would have been, but uh, you know, it's, we played two platoon back in those days, and we had some we had some pretty good receivers too. When you finally won the championship in '93, what was that like? That's like getting the monkey off your back because we had come out second, third, second, second, third, and not done it. And everybody figured you can't figure you can't win the big one. So when we finally won it, it kind of got the monkey off your back. And you did it with Charlie Ward, a black quarterback. That would be kind of surprising because a lot of times, at that time, black quarterbacks were looked upon favorably in college or the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how things have changed. Now every school has a black quarterback. Uh, many of the pro teams has a black quarterback. But back in those days, like you say, it was very, it was seldom, but they proved that they could play as good as anybody else. And you had a quarterback that could not only throw the ball, he could run the ball, too, which was rare, because basically back then it was just drop-back quarterbacks. Charlie, the things Charlie was doing is what they're doing today, and that's getting in the shotgun and going fast as you can. That's what Charlie was doing in 1992 and 93. Whose idea was it to put him at quarterback? Pardon? Was that your idea to put him at quarterback and leave him there? No, he was a quarterback all the way. He was a quarterback all through high school. And we promised him he could play quarterback at Florida State. Is that one of the main reasons you were able to land him and he didn't go to another college? I don't know. I, I don't know of anybody else that told him he couldn't play quarterback. You know, I don't know what the other schools were telling him. But we, we, we signed him as a quarterback. The 93 season, though, I remember that game against Notre Dame where it was 31-24, and they say it was one of the greatest games in history. What do you think the key to that game was for Notre Dame winning? Well, number one, they were very well coached, and they uh, they just outperformed us that day. We ended up on the eight-yard line, and about second down, if we'd have had four downs, we might have got one in there, but we only had to, the time got us, and uh, but we ended up on about the eight-yard line. You had to be happy that Boston College beat them that year, though. Yeah, then yeah, then Boston College comes back and beats them, puts us back in the national championship game. And then you won another championship, what, in 1999, I think? Yeah, 99, we won another one. That was that was, that, that was kind of more of an accomplishment because we were preseason number one and stayed number one all year. Was there more pressure on you that season 
that you were number one going into the season than in 93? I never felt pressure on that. We were number one quite a few times going into the season. And, uh, but that's, a, we were the first team to ever go wire to wire. And, uh, but I, I never felt, I don't remember the pressure. What was the key to that season? Chris Winkie. Chris, Chris Winkie took, uh, Chris Winkie took us to three national championship games in a row. One of them he couldn't play in because he got hurt. And maybe we could have won it if he'd have been there. But he was the key to our program. Your sons went into coaching, Tommy and Terry and Jeff. Did you ever tell them, you know what, that's a tough life on a guy for his family to go and coach, and you should go into something else? Well, I practically told them that before they went into coaching. I did not want them to go into coaching. Because I don't want to compete with them. I don't want them competing against each other. But if that's what they chose to do, that's what what I was for, and they did. They all chose to go into coaching. Was it tough on you to coach against your sons? No. Nah. We got where we didn't enjoy it because one of us had to lose, but it wasn't, wasn't tough. Who was your wife rooting for in those games? She had, she had to rope for me. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah, she didn't have a choice. <laughs> she had to come home to you. She knew if she didn't what she'd be in for. That's right. That's right. Did you ever feel that your, one of your sons should have took, taken over Florida State when you retired? Never did feel like that. Uh, not even sure if I wanted. I know I, I don't think I'd want one to follow me because everybody'd be comparing all the time. But uh, I, I never thought about it much. What do you think about the salaries these coaches are getting paid nowadays? Well, they earn it. They earn it, but. Uh, that's, you know, the only thing is, if you're going to get that much money, you better win. How important was your faith in your success? Uh, I'm, I'm, I imagine it's the thing that got me through the bad times. No matter what we do, we have good and bad times. And a lot of times when you're having a bad time, you need some, you need a, you need a source, a higher source from somewhere, you know, and that's where your faith comes in. The Bobby Bowden National College Coach of the Year Award was started in 2010. How did that make you feel when they came up with that award? I was uh, happy about it. That's, that's in my hometown, and uh, I, I was very, very, uh, felt very good about it. And the first coach I wanted was the Alabama coach. That had to be kind of funny. He won it every year, just about. He won it the first year, the second year. Chiswick from Auburn went into third year. Uh, Saban come back and wins it to fourth year. And then uh, Malzahn won it last year. So between Auburn and Alabama, they've won it every year. You better be careful. They might rename it the uh, Alabama coaching year of the word. I'm sure if they, if they could, they would. <laughs> How did you know when it was time to retire? I didn't. I tried to coach another year. They wouldn't let me. What do you think about the record for most coaching wins with Joe Paterno, them taking some of those victories away from him? I think it was too much. You know, I think it was too much. I'd, if they'd give me my 12 back, I'd, I, would, I'd like, I, would, I wouldn't care if he got his 100 back. Because, again, it wasn't that the players were ineligible that he was coaching or he didn't do anything illegal in recruiting. Uh, no, I think it was pretty strict.
Would you like to go back into coaching now? No, heck no. That's all I want. And how did you decide to end up writing a book finally after all these years? How did do what? How did you decide to write a book after all these years? Well, my son wrote it, and he's written a book before. And uh, so he wanted, he wanted to write another book. Uh, since I was through with my career, and uh, he did. And uh, he did a good job writing it. He wrote it. Of course, he, you know, what what we do, we sit down here and I talk for hour after hour after hour. And I tell him experiences that I had, and he writes it down. But he's he's a heck of a writer. Do coaches still call you up and ask for coaching advice? No, no, no. You think with all your knowledge, someone will come to you and say, listen, could you give me some pointers? Well, I, the, the, they're pretty dead gum sharp, just like the coach they got at Florida State now. He's about as sharp as any of them out there. You know, There's not much I can tell him. What do you think the key to your success was? The key to my success, getting good players. That's the key to the game. Whoever gets the best player is going to win. Unless, you, unless the coach messes it up. A coach can mess it up. But whoever got the best player is going to usually win. Is there one player that got away from you that you still think about to this day? Oh, there are many. Golly. There are, there are thousands of players out there. You can't get between 20. We have 150 out of the state every year. And we can't sign but 20. You know, so you plenty of them going to get away from you. I've heard from a lot of coaches the key to getting these players is the mom. It seems like a lot of the moms make the decisions for the kids. Well, that is if they don't have a daddy. A lot of them don't have daddies. That's the problem. But mother plays a big part in nearly all these kids' life. How would you convince the moms to let their sons come to Florida State? What would be your key recruiting tool? I would tell them I'd try to treat him like a son and try to raise him like she would want me to raise him. Who was the best player you ever coached against? Against? Oh, I, I, you know, the one that impressed me most was Tony Dorsett. And why was that? He's just so great. Every time we play pit, it's like starting a game, you're behind 7-0, because he's going to get at least one. That does it for another edition of Sports and Torts. It was incredible. These two coaches had one thing in common. Faith was an important part of their lives and coaching. Recruiting didn't hurt. Talented athletes always help. But yeah, definitely uh, something there more than just football. Anyway, I'd like to thank our guests, Lou Holtz, Bobby Bowden. Thank our Hall of Fame executive producer, Dave Olson. Tune in again next time to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.